0: So, daughters, I hate to say this to you just as an observer of our culture, but our culture doesn't give a rip about your dreams or your future or your innocence. I hate saying that. But i got something else I I want to read to you. I'm going to read it for the men here. If you're a woman in this church, I want to read this. The culture doesn't care about your purity or your dreams or how much pain you've had or what state you're in now because of this horrible spirit, this Babylon spirit where we're drunk. But there are some blood-bought men here that do care for your purity and your innocence and your heart and your dreams and your future. And we will fight for you. We will protect you. We will value you. We will suffer for you. We will lay down our lives for you. We will not allow the culture to dictate to you your identity. We will create an atmosphere in our homes and churches and communities where you'll be able to hear the voice of your heavenly father calling you beloved daughter. Yes. Amen. That's, our, that's what we're going to do. We may not be perfect. We may not get it done. We're going to try. Because I'm done with it. That's what we're going to do. Listen, that's what we're going to do. Dear one, when the lady came to Jesus, she was bleeding for 12 years. 12, right? She said, if I can just touch him, it'll stop. I know it's going to stop. There's some ladies bleeding in our culture. They're bleeding. It's a different kind of bleeding. But it's real. It's like the pain never stops. And God wants to heal. My favorite part of that passage is when, when, he, when she touches the garment and everybody stops, he turns to her and he confers identity on her. And he, he turns and he goes, daughter. That's my favorite part, man. I, I love it. I just, I love it. Daughter, you know, daughter, daughter. You know, daughter is this phrase in our culture. We've got this demonic, perverted feminist spirit that has assaulted women because it separates them from people who want to love them and protect them. You know, I say protection in this culture in Seattle is like protection. I'm an independent woman of the 21st century. Are you saying I'm incapable, unintelligent? I showed you a picture of my girls. My girls are flamethrower preachers. They're administrators. They're fashion designers. They're minstrels. They're prophets. They're moms. They're servants. They're they're capable, intelligent, wise, and gifted. And I protect them. It's a both and. It's not a... It isn't... And then their energy, the the soul, the, the spirit and soul of their life can be released through the treasure of their gifting to heal a broken world. Instead of using all their energy to try to protect themselves and manage their brokenness. That's That's why our nation is broken. Because the treasure that's in the daughters in this room, a lot of it's going to protection and dealing with pain. And God wants to, He wants to protect. He wants to He wants to give you permission to be... It's okay to be protected. It doesn't mean you're unintelligent. It doesn't mean you're incapable. It doesn't mean you don't have treasure to release out of your gifting, your spirit to a broken world, contribution to make, to be a teammate with your husband, or to to, to function as a woman in our culture with great dignity. Look at the isolation upon our young daughters and how ripped off they get. How long does it take them to get burned up when there's no, any, when, when they buy into that? See, something's wrong with our culture. The feminists are talking about what's wrong in our culture. <laughs> They're arguing with each other about, well, we started feminism saying men, women can have sex like men. They don't need protection. They don't need commitment. They can just get in the fast lane and everything's cool. Well, after like how many generations of women living this way, there is so much pain in them that they're starting to talk about their pain. But it seems to be assaulting some of the premises. So this lady wrote an article on the internet and she used the language of the hookup culture. She said, How Feminism feminism Got Drunk and Hooked Up with a Loser. Like, I mean, is that cool? What a great way to say this! How feminism? Because feminism got drunk with a philosophy that said women are the same as men. It's a lie. They're not the same. They're of equal value, but they're not. They're not the same. See, that's we needed to correct some injustices, and there's a lot of cultures right now where we need to go with the gospel and correct the injustices of the of the diminished value of women in many cultures. The gospel has always elevated the status of women in cultures, but it didn't ever say that they're the same as men. And we've gone from equal value to equal. Now it's crazy. They're not equal. They're not equal in the sense that they're made the same. They're not the same. They're equal value, but they're not the same. You're different. If you're a woman, you're different than a man. But we've gone crazy with the equality thing, and we said now they're the same. And and, and, and we never even deal with it, like in a court of law or even like in, a, like in a science experiment. If we took those premises and tried to make something work, it would never work out. So we've got different standards, you know. You're in this, the, you know, they have a different physical standard. They, you know, There's no way women are admitted to military or anything else on the same standard. They're all admitted on, 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 a, on a different standard, even though they're equal. I mean, it's like we're crazy. and we, And we're suffering the consequences of it. Here's this lady, as a relation columnist for Teen Vogue, I get a lot of mail from girls in no-strings-attached relationships. Cool. Sounds, sounds exciting. The girls describe, them, describe themselves as kind of with a guy, sort of seeing him or hanging out with him. The guy may be non-committed or worse, in another no-strings relationship. <laughs> in the meantime, the girls have fallen for him. Or plead with me for advice on how to make him come around and be a real boyfriend. This is a window picture into the heart of a generation, okay? And it's not just teenagers, unfortunately. It's the divorcee. It's the lady who finds herself betrayed. Wondering what happened to my life. Just an older version of this. So what's the deal here? We're, we're enjoying some unintended spoils of the sexual revolution. What and who are we losing to the new sexual freedom? Is this progress or did feminism really get drunk, go home with the wrong person and wake up in a strange bed and gasp, oh God. Yeah, oh God. What happened? These letter, listen to this lady, feminist, not a Christian. See, this is the prophets of the culture talking about the issue the church should be an expert in, talking about it all the time. Ready with anybody that comes in with brokenness, we understand. We have a we have an understanding of the broad understanding of what's going on, and, and we can say you're you see, you're like in, in in terms of helping people find a place for healing to start. That we have a, a sense of a continuum, and we hear somebody's story, and we think not to treat them like a project, but to say there's hope for you, because there is for anyone, for restoration and healing, for strongholds to be broken for restoration of identity to for right thinking for new decisions on behavior and relationships I mean we've got to have an answer we've got the prophets of the age that are speaking about it more than we are the church is supposed to be the joy we sang Psalm 48 the joy of the whole earth great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God and the mountain of his holiness beautiful for situation the joy of the whole earth is my... That's why I, I sang that when I was 19 when I was first saved. Singing about Mount Zion, the church, the embodiment of God's presence in His people is supposed to be the joy of the whole earth. In other words, the answers are there for marriage, for young people, for every sexual answers. answers about life. The joy of the whole earth. It's right here. It's right here in the Word, it's right here in the community. These letters worry me. They signify a growing trend in girls' sexual lives where they are giving themselves to the guys on guys' terms. They hook up first and ask later. These girls are expected to be cool about not formalizing the relationship. They repress their needs and feelings in order to maintain a connection. Sounds like fear of the future to me. So afraid of being alone. One of the, We challenge young ladies a lot of times in the schools. I say, how about a time in your life? Why don't you just take a time in your life Where it's just you and God and your future and nobody else. They go, oh my gosh, are you saying that? I might have to trust God. Trust God! Just you, God, and your future. Try that on size for a while. Let God heal you while you're waiting. Think about it. She says, the problem is there's a giant sex dispenser on every college campus. But the relationship dispenser is out of order. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's a relationship you want, you're out of luck. Yeah. And the spirit of the age says, well, start with sex and maybe you can formulate some sort of relationship afterwards. But you've got to start here, honey. That's what they call. In our day, we had to lie, you know, like take the girl to dinner, do the movie, you know, like pretend like I'm really interested in you. That's gone now. Now it's just. And if you don't want to do that, I'll just find someone else. So what's a lady who wants a friendship supposed to do? It's demonic. It's right from hell. We need to to understand that. Now a whole year has passed, and the cry of miserable college-aged and beyond woman is being heard by the mainstream media. Thank goodness. Claiming the hookup culture doesn't exist and and the negative consequences are not there puts you in the world as flat camp. See, Paul in Acts, Acts 17, I love this, because what do we do with a culture that's broken? How do we respond to a broken culture? See, we, we've got Paul, he was in Athens, and he, it says he, he beheld, I've got to read it, I gotta be, I'm, I'm a Bible person, I'm a Bible person, Acts 16 and 17, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. So just a little thing, but I notice this provocation. The word for provoked is this, like to be pricked or poked with something sharp. It like it pokes you. It's like, boo, and it's like you get poked. It's like you get pricked. It's like you get convicted, or you get irritated, you get, you're agitated. Something provokes you. Here's Paul. He's in Athens. He's seeing the idolatry as Diana. The goddess Diana. The sex goddess of the New Testament world. Paul's birthing the church in the New Testament Greek and Roman world. That's where he birthed the church. Paul's birthing the church in the sex-saturated Greek and Roman world. They had days dedicated to the male sexual organ. We have Father's Day. We have Mother's Day. You know, we have like Labor Day. And it's not about having babies. It's Labor Day. I don't know why it's Labor Day. But they had a day dedicated to that. And they celebrated that. that. So they're very in your face. And this is where the church was born. And Diana. They, find, they dig up statues of Diana and they it's a woman's head and a woman's body but between her neck and her waist are hundreds of breasts. That's, a, that's the statue of Diana. A, a mixture of mother nurture and sensuality kind of blended together. It's like modern day feminism. Very sexualized and mother earth nurture sexuality. And Paul's in Athens he's provoked. And what I've seen us do in this thing when we haven't taken the time and we haven't let God give us a spirit of conviction and revelation, that we got to do something about this. This can't be just a series, like, there's churches that don't even talk about it, first of all. At all. The message to the young people is sex is bad. You got it? Listen. Sex is bad. You got it? Listen. Bad. Sex is bad. Stay away from sex. You got it. That's our message. Bad, 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 You're getting married? Oh, it's going to be so wonderful. What's going to be wonderful? You mean sex and marriage? Yeah, yeah. Bless you. Marriage day. Sex is wonderful. And they're looking at us like we're crazy. They're going, they're like, can we ask a question? Just one question. How does something get from bad to good in like, 30 seconds when you walk down an aisle. I mean, can you help me with that? Yeah. I got that's a really good question. We've got to have an answer for a generation. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Right. Right. It's bad. Did I tell you it was bad? Bad. <laughs> so we're provoked. So the adults get provoked. And Paul, here's what Paul didn't do. Paul did not go from provoca- from provocation, provoked. He didn't go from provocation to declaration because of irritation. He didn't do that. That's what we do. The girl's showing her belly button in youth group. It's the battle of the belly buttons in the youth group. <laughs> the youth pastor is fighting the battle of the belly buttons. Who's going to win that battle? That's the only place that daughter gets any attention in her life. Her mom and dad are split up. Her mom has been betrayed. She's working ungodly hours just to try to survive. And this little broken hearted daughter has an empty heart. And she's trying to fill the empty places in her heart with the glances of a thousand boys. And she doesn't even know what happened to her life. Do you understand that? Now, we don't leave her sexualized. We don't leave her. But we build a relationship with her and start giving her a revelation of the goodness of God and the big picture of how she was made as a daughter. Do you want to know how you were made as a daughter, honey? If you got one ounce of revelation of how you were made as a daughter, it would change everything in your life. Paul went from provocation to preparation to proclamation. And it wasn't out of irritation. It was out of the burden of God. And he didn't preach Hebrew scriptures on Mars Hill. He didn't preach Hebrew Scriptures on Mars Hill. He didn't just plug it in, you know, the old... He took some time to get a revelation. Fifty years ago, we did the four spiritual laws. Somebody created something that was a bridge to a generation to explain the gospel. And a lot of people got saved. But that was fifty years ago. There's a new generation that needs to have a sexual component in the gospel message they hear. Because the place of their pain is in their sexuality and relationships. Paul preached to the unknown. He preached to the the people at Mars Hill to the unknown. He talked about their worship of an unknown God. He prepared himself. He took the time to get where they were at. It's like a missionary studying culture or or studying language so he could communicate. We want to deal with the sexual thing without really understanding. We've got to start thinking about it and take some time. And not just react out of irritation, but to see we've got this other we've got prohibition without revelation leads to obligation. This is what we've done with the young generation. Prohibition without revelation leads to obligation. Well, I really like to have sex, but I can't, because I'm a Christian. So I'm gonna draw some lines. I'm gonna I'm gonna sniff over the line, kinda. I'm gonna get as close to the line as I can, kind of sniff over it. That'll probably be okay. And my question is. Um, how far can I go and still be a Christian? I go, well, it depends if you want first degree burns, second degree burns, or third degree burns. I don't know which, which one you want. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you, you tell me how far you want to go and how scarred you want to get and how much damage you want to do to your future relationships. But, you know, I mean. Wow. We got, see, Prohibition, you got to find this now. This is fun. You like this? I know I'm way over it. You guys are, are you guys being, are you okay? Okay. You got prohibition. Where is this now? This is fun. If I can find it. Got to read this second part. So, prohibition without revelation leads to obligation. And we end up with technical virginity. See, that's where technical virginity comes in. Have you heard about technical virginity? That's really cool because you got the young, you got the Christian girl and the Christian guy. They go to a Christian coffee house, listen to Christian music, have a Christian latte. And they're, they're having a Christian fellowship. And then they go somewhere, they go to a Christian concert somewhere and they watch Christian videos and do Christian mosh pit. And then they go to a Christian place and draw Christian lines and do Christian necking. And they're still virgins. Isn't that exciting? They're still virgins. I'm really excited. Wow, way to go. You guys are fighting the bite. They're worshiping the same sex God as all the rest of their generation. Do you think God is interested in technical virginity? It doesn't reduce the shame, the guilt, the memories, the pain, the fear. Now I want to say this. Purity is a lot more than the history of your body. And there's some awesome pure daughters who've been restored by God and it's not even about the history of their body. It's about what their heart wants. And there are young men in schools and churches. I see young men. I see 40-year-old young men. I see 35-year-old young men. I see 19-year-old young men, 25-year-old young men who are seeing restored daughters worshiping God. And they're not coming around with some checklist of their body history going, Did you, um, were you involved in... They're seeing daughters worshiping God, restored by God, and they go... And they see their spirit and their gifting and their hunger. And they say, I want to build the kingdom of God with someone like you. Yes. And God highlights them. Amen. So I'm not into permanent damage. You're a piece of gum chewed up. You know, The God's a God of restoration. I mean, we're talking restored. We're talking about, I mean, I, I, I ran into a little redheaded fireball in Russia. Pastor's wife. She goes, I used to be, your, your message, Pastor Jim, reminded me of my old life. I was a Russian prostitute and drug addict. I thought she was born in a pew. I mean, the gal had flaming red hair. She had her freckles. She was like a little, like a young 22 something, you know. I'm thinking, where did you come from? She was completely restored. Yeah. We all understand restoration. Prohibition with revelation leads to inspiration to lead a life of dedication that can be a godly demonstration to a watching generation. It leads to reformation that initiates a cultural transformation. So our job is to loose revelation. What I'm doing today is I'm loosing revelation. I'm... I'm pounding on... See, Ephesians 5.11 is a positive message. Ephesians 5.11 says, It has nothing to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. But we've got a church that wants to hear happy things. I want to hear happy things! I want to hear happy things! Don't talk about this! this Look out. It's starting to fly now. I want to hear happy things! I go, listen, I'm, I'm involved in happy things. I'm doing the positive work of reformation. Talking about what the enemy's plan is. Talking about what he does. How he lies to people. That's the positive work of reformation. Isn't that cool? Ephesians 5.11. It's positive. We're involved in the positive work of reformation by talking about what the devil, the power of darkness has done to a generation of daughters and sons. And if you don't talk about what darkness has done... I was in Canada, I went to Canada to preach Mother's Day, butterflies and flowers, you know like, Lord what do you want me to preach about in Canada, it's Mother's Day, butterflies and flowers? He goes, I want you to preach about the rape of Tamar, Second Samuel 13, I go, Lord that's kind of like a never come back to Canada message. <laughs> he goes, I don't care. Because I'm changing church. Yeah. See, Jesus, the withered hand thing is happening to us. It's different. We have some withered spirits, and we don't ever want to talk about the unmentionables in church. Abortion, molestation, sexual assault, immorality. Shh! Don't talk about that. Well, the greatest thing we could do in church is to talk about that stuff. That's right. I mean, it's like... The most appropriate thing we could do on Sunday is to restore the self-respect of a young man who drank of the wine of the immorality of the age. The most appropriate thing we could do is break the hopelessness of the young person trapped in the sin of sex, same-sex relationship. The most appropriate thing we could do on Sunday is see a young woman who thinks God hates her because of her abortion or her immorality or both suddenly understand He wants to make her His beloved daughter. The most appropriate thing we could do is to give a woman who has been touched in the wrong way when she was a little girl the opportunity to bring it into the light for the first time in her life. Remove the shame, restore her heart, heal her body, break the power of the memories. That's what Sunday is supposed to be about. And they didn't like Jesus doing anything like that on Sunday. You're going to do the withered hand thing? He goes, is today the Sabbath? They go, yeah. He says, stand up, withered hand we're doing some stuff today yeah. it wasn't even about work it was about changing the, the religious appropriateness of what you do and he was smashing that he was trying to alter that See, and it's not like we we don't want to force it it's just like let's just be normal this is where people live so what are you going to talk about you're going to talk about every week but we're going to talk about enough to get some healing happen So I'm there, I'm preaching, and halfway through the message in Canada, a little beautiful 17-year-old princess daughter of God starts weeping, weeping. And her mom and dad are behind her, reaching forward and holding her. And her little brother is holding her hand. And they come up for ministry afterwards. She'd been assaulted four years before when she was 13. I prayed with her for 25 minutes, and by the end of the time, she was laughing. She's laughing. It wasn't just like a ha-ha. It was a laugh from heaven. I've been in touch with people in that church. She's doing great. That, That shame, that thing. There's a demonic spirit, and whenever something happens to you that you didn't even want to happen, there's a spirit that says to you, it was your fault. And you carry it around. It's one of the whisperings of darkness. It says you're dirty. It was your fault. You wanted it to happen. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with your femininity. Something's wrong with your mask. I call them the whisperings of darkness. They follow people around. And God wants to shut the mouth of those whisperings of darkness. And break the power of those lies. There's just this helplessness in our culture. You don't know how many grandmas, I mean, they come to me and go, my 13-year-old daughter, I go, I don't, have an, I don't have a magic wand answer. But I'm preaching revelation. I just want you to. Grandmas are helpless. Parents are helpless. I mean, my daughter's living with some guy. There's so much pain in him. I, they talk. My son's in the gay lifestyle, you know, whatever. It's just some. it's like there's a helplessness. There's pain. It's real. We don't want to belittle it, but we've got to have answers. We can't have the home group leader where the guy comes up and says, my, my girl, my daughter's living with a guy. And we look at him and go, that really sucks. I'm really sorry. That's our answer. That's been our response. It's compassion. That's great. How about some understanding and revelation? There's a way to get her out of hell. We're going to make a plan to see her come out of hell. We're going to do it. We're going to fight for you. We're going to get a restoration team around. We're going to pray and fast. Here's some things you can start saying to her. Here, let's, you know, let's do it. Peers are helpless. They don't know what to say to their their friends. I mean, young, college-aged, young people have friends, and they're involved in sexual relationships. They don't even know what to say to them. Like, flee youthful lust. Um, You should not commit adultery. There. Said it. I said it to her. She broke up with him like five minutes later. She just broke up. Just, as soon as I said it, she broke up. Just, it just happened. No. It doesn't happen. And I love those scriptures. Those are discipleship scriptures. I'm not belittling scripture. I'm thinking we've got to build a bridge to the heart of a generation. We have to let provocation lead us to preparation so we can have a declaration to a generation who is waiting for restoration, leaders are helpless too. So let's talk about the original design declarations, and then we're going to ask the Lord to touch some people. because this is something the Lord's given us, and I feel like it's see there's a war, the three there's, there's a war against a generation. We got that part, right? And in order to fight the war, man, we've got to embrace authentic manhood. We've got to get a revelation of a daughter's heart and a revelation of the war. And the last thing we've got to understand is the sequence of the garden hasn't changed. The sequence of the garden is the power of darkness to the woman to change her identity, change the boundaries of God, and then the woman takes her new identity and accesses the lower nature of the man, and they both go down the tubes. That's still going on today. The primary target point of the power of darkness is to change the heart of a daughter into an object and then she accesses her she takes her new identity that promises to, to meet all her needs and fulfill her dreams and she accesses the lower nature of the men around her you would like some for, would you like some forbidden you you want some forbidden don't you who doesn't want forbidden come on you want some forbidden and guys we've got to look past the forbidden to see show the picture of my little girls those, those. we've got to look when when we see the forbiddenness offered to us we have to see this instead we don't want to see that that daughter is believed a lie. She's been beat up by darkness. She There's not a daughter on the face of the earth that would ever want to give herself sexually to a man without commitment. It's impossible unless she's been damaged and beat up by the powers of darkness. Wow. They're not designed to do it. They're, and that's where the original design declarations come in. Let's talk about them. Let's show, show the ones for the women first. The original design declarations are these. And this is what we're using. We're experimenting with these Design declarations. Is that of charm is deceitful and beauty vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. This is saying, daughters, you are designed by God to be praised. There are women who apologize all their life. They go, well, I just feel so bad about wanting attention. You are made for attention. You're supposed to have attention. You're supposed to be cherished and loved and valued and hear how great you are all the time. And it's supposed to start with your dad. And then it's all the other dads in the church and the uncles and the grandmas and the older brothers and don't apologize. You are made to hear you're special. If you don't get that there, you're going to go to charm and beauty to try to meet that need. And what happens then? Where does that take you? You know where that goes. It lies to you too. It says charm is deceitful. It lies to you. It says if you give yourself to this, this is going to happen for you. All your dreams are going to come true and he's going to stay with you. Well, he's not even supposed to touch you till he marries you anyway. You're not designed for that. It's a violation of your original design. So here's what we say. You are designed by God for safety, security, permanence, and commitment. Every cell of your being, every, every part of your being, is, that's what, is what it's about. I saw this at a clinic. I was sharing some pro-life stuff outside of the clinic. Praying there and just handing out stuff. And this girl was coming in. I guess she was coming in for birth control. I said, can I hand you something before you go in? And she came over to me. Like, she came over to talk to this grandpa. I said, you know, I've got eight kids. Six of them are girls. They're like you. They're, They're beautiful daughters like you are. And, you know, I've learned something about young women. I know you've got to get into your appointment, but let me just... The thing I've learned that they that my daughters were designed for safety and security and permanence and commitment. And another thing I've discovered is they were designed to be loved. They were designed by God to be loved for who they are as a person, not what they can give a man sexually. Have you ever thought of that? This girl looked at me and starts to weep. I've known her for 30 seconds. 30 seconds I've known her. And she starts to weep. because I'm touching her where she lives. I can talk to her about Jesus and I'll get an argument about reincarnation or veganism or whatever other philosophy she's adopted to deal with the pain in her life. I don't want to argue about reincarnation or veganism or environmentalism or or, or Western Hinduism or karma or humanism. I want to, if you touch the pain of a generation, they're going to open up their hearts. And and the original design declaration leads them to original designer. And the original designer has a name. His name is Jesus. This is not a avert Jesus. This is a pause button on the way to preaching the matchless gospel of the kingdom of God. We have to be smart. We have to let the provocation lead us to preparation so we can have a declaration to a broken generation waiting. I've got all the original design declarations on flyers. They're on the table. You're going to take them. I want you to start using them with broken people. And pray and say, instead of saying, you sure do not live with him. And she shouldn't. You say, honey, you know what? You were made by God for safety and security and permanence and commitment. You float that out there in their spirit and watch what happens. She'll think, how do you know that about me? How do you know that about me? How do you know that? How I feel. That's how I feel. The woman living with some guy, giving herself to him in a sexual experience, is not even intimacy, in between is asking the commitment question. Is there a ring? Is this... And she can't ask because she's afraid to ask because he might say, you know, I'm tired of you anyway. Yeah, get out. She's trapped in hell with a growing sense that this man I'm living with, the only time he pays attention to me is when he wants sex. And I have this haunting sense that I'm not cherished by Him. And you're a daughter designed to be loved and sacrificed for and valued and committed to. It's called hell on earth. And we have a revolution. We have a different message. You are primarily primarily relational, secondarily sexual through the covenant of marriage. Marriage allows you to safely open up that personal and sacred part of your life to your husband because he's made a public commitment to you forever. Let's go to the guys now when we're done. Here's the guys. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's the ethic of suffering. Do you see the theme of sacrifice, dedication, and suffering for another? It's what men are supposed to do. And you know what? It isn't like a bad thing because we're made for it. We're designed to do what's right instead of what's easy. There's something in a man they, they, they play hard for the team. The coach says, y- you want to come out? No, you know, I'm hurt. You want to come out? No, no, I'm staying in. I'm staying in for the team. And guys work hard, too, or even three jobs to provide. They work hard, long hours. They have this sense, I'm providing for my family. Men go to war and die for honor. It's in us to do what's right instead of what's easy. And I say we need to apply that to the sexual realm. I'm tired of the anti-heroes that are all noble, they're all sacrificial, they're fighting injustice and they're sleeping with their girlfriend. I'm sick of it. I want consistent manhood all across the board. I'm done with this false manhood. Yeah. Yeah. That there, there, there are manhood and a hero everywhere except for the sexual area. Well the sexual area is where the power of darkness has decided to destroy our nation. So you're no hero unless you're dealing with this spirit. Period. There's no heroism outside of dealing with this spirit, especially if you're a kingdom of God, man. We're looking for some young man to to lock elbows with. God doesn't hate your sexuality. He loves your sexuality. He designed your male sexuality. But the last thing, it says this, you were never designed by God to be bound to your lower nature, but God's releasing a grace to you so you can rule over your sexuality instead of your sexuality ruling over you. He's called you to be a protector, not a predator you were designed to look in a mirror and see someone you respect because your fuel is honor. And if you don't have that spirit of honor coming to you, you're dying daily on the installment basis. And the greatest thing a man can do is say, Pastor, I'm doing good here, I'm doing good here, I'm doing good here, and I'm losing the battle here. Remember, the only perfect man was Jesus. And we've got to get it out of the open. We, got to, we just got to get it out. We just... The first step to victory is a step of confession in, of light into the... of bringing the darkness into the light. And that's where we fight this as men. I don't care if you're 60 or you're 16. We, we, bring the, we bring the struggle into the light. So let's stand. I know God wants to do something. The spirit of revelation has come. How many heard stuff like... You could feel stuff just kind of melting out of your brain. Just... We're assaulting the power of darkness... Can you just do the piano? And we don't need anybody else on the worship team. Lord, I pray for all the roasts in the oven that are burning now. Because I'm... Maybe the best way to say this is, you know, God wants to convey, convey and restore original design. He wants you to just say, "That's me. I've I, not, I've not been there. The original design of a man. I've not been there, but I want that." And as a daughter, you can say, "There's, there's stuff in me, and I want, I want to embrace my original design as a daughter. I want to acknowledge that's who I am." So, just this, this come into the presence of God today. I, hope, I, I I got the sense that this isn't the kind of church if somebody comes forward, you're like the bad person, you know, and everybody's going, so and so went forward today, you know. Why don't you just come into the presence of God today and watch Him begin to heal your heart?